Hi, everybody. Thank you very much for downloading the latest Leeds Book Club podcast. Once again, it is myself, Leeds Book Club, or Neve, as my actual name is. And I'm joined by Book Elf Leeds, or Jess. Hi, Jess. Hello. How are you? We're going to have a quick update of the Modern Mrs. Darcy's Reading Challenge. Uh, not from me, because all I've done for the last six weeks is watch The Daily Show with Jon Stewart from 2013. <laughs> I, I think it was a better time. Simpler time, and we were happier then. Um, <laughs> the Arab Spring. But you've been reading. Yes, they were like, yeah, it was, it was yeah, a lovely, fun time for people that... We're not here. Um, but you've you've been flying through. You're almost halfway mm. through your challenge now. I am. I am. I've done very well. Well, I kind of went into it, pulled uh, organs blazing and blasted through the first few, and then yeah, suddenly ended up reading half the books I'm supposed to be reading, which is which is a good thing. That's I suppose. So we'll do me this podcast, and, and then next we'll do time you when you catch up. Yeah, you'll be so behind at some catch point. Up. I will <laughs> read a book. Um, <laughs> Well, I've got lots of recommendations for you. Yay! <laughs> because, as you know, I struggle to find okay. things to read. Well, for, what was what was the um the go through the list and I'll tell you which ones I've done. Okay, so on your list you had a book published this year and you were going to go for I Am Malala, um as a quick yes, read. Yes, no, I haven't got there yet. No. Um, Alias Grace by Margaret Atwood. I think we might talk about that yeah. the last time. Um, Maya Angelou, I Know Why the Caged Bird yes, Sings. Yes, read that one. You've read that one. Um, something by Chuck Palney. No, nope, not got that yet. Dude. Something by Angela Carter. Not got that yet. The Bluest Eye by Toni yeah, Morrison. Done that one. Um, a book that was previously abandoned. You'd a few options here. Thomas Cromwell oh, by Tracy I did Borman. It. I did it. I did the uh, Novella Blue um, We Need New Names. Ah. Because it was on my Kindle and I went away. So Excellent. I finished it. Yes. Well, we'll have to update this then. A book that intimidates you. That was War and Peace. I haven't even started War and Peace. And a book you've already read at least once, at least once. Forever Amber. Uh, no, I, 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 I am going to read Forever Amber later in the year, but I reread uh, a book called Lace um, because I figured that if I was going to reread Edward Amber, I might as well. Um, do all the bonk busters. So also, Ginny Cooper's got a new I book like out that this year. Bonk so. busters. Yes. I don't know if I've heard. Well, heard Ginny that Cooper's term got a new before. book out this year, so I kind of want to read that. But I've got to kind of work my way up to Cooper. So I started off with Shirley Conran, then I'm going to go to Forever Amber, and then in the end, I'm going to go for for uh, the man who made husband's jealous, just to get all my thick books that are full of naughty things out of the way. Can I temporarily segue mm. into a completely nonsensical point? You're a Marion Keys fan, aren't you? I am. Did you, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the 2016 Crisp competition has been <laughs> happening on Twitter. And, um, and in this glorious moment, out of nowhere, Marion Keys comes out fighting for the Tato Crisp. <laughs> and you were in Ireland at the time, but I thought, given that you're surrounded by I, books I, I, and library stuff, I didn't want to go, oh, by the way, get yourself on Twitter and check out Marion <laughs> Keys. She loves crisps. But that's been like a little I did, I got. Thing. I went to Dublin last week uh, for a librarian conference and I did get a pack of potatoes in my conference welcome bag. Because um, they're the best crisp. <laughs> they're all right. They're okay. It's Club Rock Shandy that was Club for Rock? me That's the best amazing. thing that came out of Ireland. I introduced it to my friend as a hangover cure and she is ever thankful for this now. I could, I think you um you tweeted something about that and it's stuff you don't realise you miss from home until yeah. somebody says it and you suddenly go, oh. Anyway, sorry. Bonk yes. Busters, not Marion Keys. No, so just, uh, well, we'll start, might as well start off with that one because that one's what I've mentioned. So this is a book I've already read at least once, and this is, I'll get it from my shelf, because we're in my house this time, so I can get it from my bookshelves. Um, and you'll find that Jess can find things on her bookshelves, because, because she's a freak. order! Um, so, I mean, because they're in order. Uh, this is Lace by Shirley Conran. Um, it's, if you've ever seen a copy on the shelves, the copy I have it was um, 
released in when I can find the verso, uh, two thousand twelve, um, and it's bright pink and has a woman's lips with parted and her finger fingernails painted bright red. And there's lots of bling, and it looks the tackiest thing in in the world, and it is the tackiest thing in the world, and I love it. So this was first written in nineteen eighty two, and it was a bestseller all around the world and it was again one of those you know last last time we were talking about books that you kind of hid underneath your school desk and yeah. passed around to your friends so this was one of those um because it's so incredibly uh, sexually explicit um in... but the sort of sexually explicit that means it's clearly not written for adults who've had sex it's written for teenagers who yes. want to know what sex yes. is well it's about teenagers um who, well it's not about teenagers throughout it but it starts off uh, it starts off in 1980, it opens in 1980 in uh, Manhattan's, I'll read from the blurb, in Manhattan's most exclusive hotel. Four friends come face to face with a young megawatt film star. She has a question for them that has brought her from the streets of Paris to the playgrounds of the rich and famous and it's almost destroyed her. The question is, which one of you bitches is my mother? <gasps> yeah, it's a good dun, opening. Dun, dun. That's a, good... a great blurb actually, yeah, it's, it's I'm not a... a huge fan but I like the, that one. Yes, yeah, so it's a it's a good it's a good opening and the book itself is just it's 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 ridiculous. Like it starts off with the, these four girls who grow up together in the 1950s Swiss boarding school. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, very much reminiscent of that. But then they grow into 80s power women. Naturally. Yeah. Shoulder pads. Like, you can just imagine this transition from of womanhood and she's kind of businesswoman who owns her own company. Because you can do it all. Journey. Yeah, the, you, the, you can do it all. These four, because there's four of them, they manage to cover most bases mm. of being a, a woman of money. Um, <laughs> and do they happen to be white women? Yes. Well, yes. Obviously, <laughs> it's sorry. A, it's 1982, Bob Buster, by Jasper Comron's mum. Like, I'm not it's quite, about you white women. Bear, bear in mind that I'm I'm playing devil's advocate and also I'm not very familiar. Yeah, very fair. Fair enough. But yeah, it's, 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 it, they're very privileged, they're very white, they're very... One's from France, two are from Britain, and one's American, and it's... That's the... So there are people. That's, that, that's the market. Um, and I love it because it's... Really glamorous in a really tacky 70s, 80s glamour woman way. Um, Did you grow up on f- Dallas and Dynasty? Yes. Yeah, it's the book for if you. If you grew up on Dallas and Dynasty, you'll love it. If you grew up with Jackie Collins, um, you'll love it. Like, think really, really high class Daniel Steele. wrote all of the, the jockey books? That was Jilly Cooper, yeah. No, no, it's a bloke, but he wrote... I remember reading, like, I must have read a dozen of them in the shortest space of time, but it was that era. Ugh, that's going to... It's going to come to me. Fiona Walker, just any big, sexy bunk buster. Lace is kind of the one that started it all. And I, I was introduced to this at a poetry night by um, a woman whose name I cannot remember now on Twitter. Morticia oh. on Twitter. And she's lovely and gorgeous and I love her. I and, can't remember her name and, either, but I know who you mean. Yes. And, I, and, I've, and I've gone to book clubs with her for the WI and just fabulous woman and she's doing a master's and I wish her nothing but her happiness because she introduced me to this book um, and said you've got to read Lace and I, and I found it in the library and just loved it. And then when I started this challenge I was thinking about what books I wanted to reread and what have you and I saw this copy in Oxfam um, and thought that's the one that's the one and it was brand new copy so I was like yep well because we even have talked about that during the last podcast that's some you know that did we want to prescribe our list so utterly at the beginning of the year did we not want to leave a little and I sometimes think when you get a book like that a reread like that yeah like I've just had um the last fortnight fried green tomatoes was on the telly I didn't watch it but I saw it Mm. um somebody did up 
the recipes, Sip C's recipes from the back of the book and put some photos up on Tumblr. So mm. I've seen, you know when you just have one of those like, I'm so rereading fried green tomatoes, like in a short period of time, I'm... the signs have started to appear. <laughs> Maybe that is something you should definitely reread. I don't think I'd want to reread another Fanny Flag this year. I think I've got, already got my list is too full already. Um, but it's... And you have to be in a mood, be, You I have think. to be in the mood to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was a fun, fun one, but I keep... Did you, did you read books. it differently? Like, did you read I it? I did read it differently because I knew what was going to happen at the end. And I, and I think I read it, when I was read it the first time I was single. So I think I read it with a more kind of discerning eye to the reason you're getting dicked about by these men is because... You're a bit of a... You're, you're being, behaving like <laughs> just, this. Yes, and, yeah. like, stop doing these silly things. I, I, it was more that I could, I could look at the characters and think, I... I, I think you're an idiot rather yeah. than you know but it's I still I still really enjoyed it um I, I'm parts of the plot that I'd never really focused on before because I was really invested in the friendships of the woman the first yeah. the first time I read it but it tells the daughter who wants to know who's, who's but it's a good it's a sign for of a good book isn't it mm. that you go back and find stuff on a reread that you missed the first time around or get a different focus on I think it it's the same with films with anything you if you if you experience something again you see things from a different angle because you're you've got to because otherwise you'll just see the same thing and it'll be I think it is the sign of a good book or a good film or a good TV series mm. that you can watch and rewatch something multiple times and still find yeah. fresh good things value in it. Out of it. Yeah. Mm. So that was your re- reread. 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 Um, as I. I haven't reread anything else so far this year. I don't think. What else have you picked up then? Um. Well, which one do you want to do? Uh, published in this year. I've done one of them. Yep. Okay, so um, I've, published, I've actually read a few that are published this year. There's going to be some really good books out this year. Um, Helen Dunmore's got a new one. She's always consistent. Uh, as I said, Julie Cooper's got a new one out. Um, Margaret Atwood has a new yeah. one coming out in the in the autumn. I think I have it pre-ordered. And but Ma- I don't actually Maggie know O'Farrell. Maggie O'Farrell also has a new yeah. one out. So and I love her. So there's there's a bit of few, but I've already I I read. I got this one and then I was going to have the one I've got in my hands as my book you read in a day, but then I read the Penelope in a day. So yeah. this one might be in my book this read this year, but I will be probably reading other books this year that have been published this year as well. By you the want above to just name. talk about the books that you've read. Right, okay. So <laughs> this one is by Dawn Foster and it's called Lean Out. And it's, I would say, more a collection of essays than a, a full book. It's her response. So Dawn Foster is a, a lovely woman who I met on Twitter when I first joined Twitter, and is now a rather successful journalist, and um, has a very clear voice and sees things from what I would describe as my my point of view. She um, is a housing journalist by trade, so she understands in great depth the effects of the government's cuts on the housing market and people's ability to live in their own homes and all that goat jazz. Mm. And she also kind of talks about poverty and deprivation in a way that actually makes it sound like she's actually talking about what poverty is rather than going oh I can't afford to buy my own house in the middle of London yeah. or I have to go and live with my parents you know the, the statistic the poverty people well yeah. statistically these are the poverty levels and you're like that's not people though is it that's numbers she's a very good writer I really mm. like her, her style and I'm really glad that she's done so well and this is her first book or well, first collection of, of, of writings as it were and it's a response to Cheryl Sandberg Oh, the Lean In. in. Yeah, so Sheryl Sandberg wrote this book called Lean In after she did, I believe, a TED Talk on the subject. And the idea with Lean In is that um, women in business um, 
should uh, basically be more ballsy in the workplace and, 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 and get involved and be there and be more like successful I'm, I'm using like the, the rabbit is successful because it yeah what, what what dawn foster is saying is that this is a model of i'm going to read from the blurb again this is a model of feminism that was individualistic and unthreatening to capital um this book um unpicks how the purposively feminist message of sandberg's book neatly exempts patriarchy capitalism and business from any responsibility from changing the position of women in contemporary culture mm. so what it's saying is that well this does nothing to help women like, I, I, I feel quite strongly about um, I'm not I don't identify as a feminist but I was very irritated by the title of the book and mm. I, I the, thought the TED talk was actually quite good but then I have, I have not read the book so it's unfair of me to say so but certainly the information that I was reading around it made me think for a very privileged few this is probably very useful information yeah. but um, I would be more interested in seeing a dismantling of the employment structures that were all designed mm. when the majority of people who well, were working were men rather said, than yeah. like fit women fitting that mould because we're all stuck with it. So the, the blurb also says, uh, Foster asks whether this trickle-down feminism, which I think is quite a good phrase to mm. use, offers any material gain for women collectively or acts mere, as mere window-dressing PR for the corporations who caused the financial crash. So she really is taking it she to this is level. And James saying, Meeking this shit. Yeah, She's not... But it's 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 very, very good. Her arguments are very clear cut. They're based on um her experiences and other people who that she's interviewed and had experience with as a journalist. Um that and she reports very well and she talks about the workplace, she talks about housing, she talks about how children and emotional labour um aren't considered with this model. No. Really. And um, they're certainly not appreciated financially. It's not seen but, as rewarded work, you no. know. I found it very insightful. I, I was nodding my head throughout it. I've, I've, I've been recommended Lean In by quite a lot of women who I was very surprised to be recommended it by. Mm. Um, because, it, I, I, again, I haven't read the book. I've watched about 20 minutes of the TED Talk. Yeah. Um, I found, I just find this, this idea that we have to... Um, assimilate. Assimilate and assimilate. become... Masculinized in order to be successful when what we should be doing is readdressing the fact that the bar is is based on patriarchal norms and doesn't actually help people in the long run including men um so yeah i i really enjoyed this i found it quite insightful as well and it also it was nice to actually have kind of arguments back at my own head yeah if that makes sense so yeah, yeah i would recommend that book it would um yeah and that was published in january i think but proving early, again early. Our, our deep invested knowledge where we were saying nothing good comes out in January early this year I'm not sure but yeah. yeah earlier this year it was published and I'm currently reading another book that, I'm, that is published this year that is such a beautiful cover yeah, I've got to say I'm it's it's like done in an old kind of Victorian meets the wild wild west style yes. um, but it's got the tagline reader I murdered him and as a lifelong Bronte fan I'm already intrigued <laughs> So this is Jane Steele by Lindsay Fay. Um, Lindsay Fay wrote the series of books that started off really, really good, Gods of Gotham, and then just petered out into just being really long-winded. Like, every emotion that the characters had was described. Goody. It was all the pain. It was all burning. Sure, don't tell. Yeah, it was like that. And, and this book is could be really, really good. The idea is that Jane Steele has read Jane Eyre and been inspired to tell her own story. And Jane Steele was a daughter of 
two people who died and ended up growing up with her evil aunt and was sent to boarding school and killed everyone. So it's that classic Romana Cliff. <laughs> Just of imagine coming of age story. Imagine Jane Eyre meets Dexter. Well, I mean, I often have, but this is probably why I've been talking about retreating from the world. <laughs> like the idea is that it's Jane Eyre avenging herself with 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 by murdering people, and and that the very. Christian Jane Eyre. Yeah. 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 But it's not because it's not Jane Eyre. The character isn't Jane Eyre and that's made very, very clear. Yeah. Um, I am about... Right, she's just left Thornbridge, basically. So I'm about a third through. Mm. Maybe just less than a third through. Um, so I'm not... I'm, I'm, I'm saving judgment, but I'm, I'm a little bit confused. Well, um, on that note, as you know, uh, not been reading, Daily Show 2003. Yes. Uh, 13, rather. Um, but I did... Um, catch some of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. <laughs> Have you ever read that? Um, no, I read the Abraham Lincoln Zombie Killer or Vampire Killer. Yeah, Vampire Killer. Um, and we saw that a few years ago. Actually, I really enjoyed it. It was good fun. Mm. But in this, um, I think this is like a making of or a special or whatever. But it's like the first ten minutes of the film. So I sat down and thought, right, I'll watch the first yeah. ten minutes of the film. Who knows? It could be my favorite thing since sliced bread. Um, Darcy plays cards. <laughs> he doesn't read. That irritated me. And Elizabeth doesn't want to go to the ball at Netherfield. What? And you know when you're like Elizabeth would love to go to the ball. Elizabeth did love to go to the. Yeah, that's in the freaking on. book. Like I was, you know, when you're just sort of, I I'm prepared for zombies to be introduced into the Netherfield dynamic, but I need them to still be the Pride yeah. and Prejudice girls, and they weren't. That's a shame. Also, there was like this. 30 second montage showing them get dressed and they were all like having tucking knives They've and sex, guns they into made their sexy. thigh highs and you're like I'm pretty sure women of that era went commando <laughs> um, so yeah I don't think I'm going to be finishing that one not a natural for me no well my my um, internet is frozen so I can't remember the rest of the list so I'm just going to try and get it back up there we go um, so that was kind of what I've been reading this year um what else have i been reading come on show me the challenge sorry about this um that's right loads um another book i've actually that's published this year but this is this is my basis so one of them is um something that's been recommended to you by your local librarian and bookseller and as i said in the last one i'm surrounded by the things mm-hmm. um so i am going to read some more that are recommended by people at work but i thought i'd start off we with reading what would have been recommended by librarians in general okay. right so there's a this there's a collection of books that's published by the american library association called the reason readers advisory guide to and i reviewed one of them called the reason advisory guide to historical fiction by jennifer s baker and this is a book that teaches librarians how to advise people what to read next in, histori- in historical fiction. So this woman is basically... It's like a guide, a beginner's guide to historical yeah. fiction. Yeah. She goes through, like, know your, ca- know your canon, as it were. Here are top ten things that you can instantly pull out. Somebody says they like. want Tudor, know which king that is. Yeah, so, like, 
if you like the local grey, you'll like this, you'll like this, you'll like this. It's the same thing as the stickers we were talking about in the first podcast, where yeah. if you like this, you'll like this, but more but of a kind of... To actually have it be meaningful rather but it, than... She talks about how if somebody says a word, certain words, you can say, right, a lot that they're talking about the way the writer writes rather than... So if somebody said, I want Henry VIII, there's a massive, massive difference between, say, Hilary Mantle and Philippa Gregory. Yes. So if you want... If Dear... Some, God. Yes. yes. So if somebody came to the library, librarian and said, I like Philippa Gregory books, they may not necessarily Necessaries. say, right, you want something from the Tudor era. But if somebody said, I like Philippa Gregory, but I'm looking for a harder hitting biography of Cromwell, you'd go, are you interested in Hilary yes. Mantle? Yes. That sort of idea. So I love historical fiction, as you know. And so when I was given the opportunity to review this book and as a guide, so as a librarian, would I find this of use? And yes, I would. As a reader, I found this abuse. You'll notice all the little stickers coming out the side that are books that I now have to read. That's a totally normal thing, by the way. Everybody does that. You shouldn't be. But there's there's lots of different ones. So if you ever wanted to get into a genre and you weren't really sure what to have, so this reader advisory guide series is an American series. It's published by the American Library Association. But there's loads of things like the reader's advisory guide to science fiction. So like for me, I've never really been into science fiction. So as a librarian, that could be really useful. So as a librarian, but also like say if I wanted to try like there's one of the reader's advisory guide to street literature yeah. i know nothing about that that might be an interesting you know yeah. way so as, a learning, as a learning as, much as, as a learning as a learning tool i thought it was a really good book but it also meant that i had this massive reading list and jennifer baker is a librarian so i thought well that's that's a good one for the challenge so the ones that she was talking about one that she mentioned more well, first of all, there was two books that she mentioned more than any of them. Two writers. One was Burnham Cornwall. Oh, excellent. Who is excellent. And I love his books. And My brother is a... I've read so many, on. so many Burnham Cornwall series. Um, so she recommended Agincourt, or Agincourt, which is like, I'm not sure how you say that. Mm. Um, but it's, it's his, one of his books that's kind of a one-off. So like if you, if you don't like it too much, you don't have to read the rest of the series to get yeah. into it, that sort yeah. of thing. But it gives a good example of his writing. Um, so I've got that out of the library to read because I haven't actually read that but the other ones she recommends I mean like the the series that was on television this winter um, with Utrecht in it uh, Last Kingdom and he wrote that series he wrote a really good he wrote Sharp he wrote everything I'm pretty sure it was Arthur stories yes they were my excellent. brother was they were excellent re- I mean I know I read them but like we are talking about 20 years ago oh god I wish I hadn't said that out loud <laughs> Anyway, moving but, swiftly. But the other one that she said was Sh- a woman called Sharon K. Penman, who I'd never heard of. Now, I looked into this, and this woman is, is really big in the States. Like She's like their equivalent of, of Bernard Cornwall, but in the States. Yeah. And she's known here as Sharon Penman, and she's written an awful lot of books um, over the last 30 years. And the one that I read is the first of her series about Eleanor Hed- Edward, Edward, Henry II and Eleanor of Aquitaine. And the first book in this series is called When Christ and His Saints Slept. And it's about Stephen and Maud. So before Henry II was this English king um, in the 1100s-ish. And before that, you know Cad, Cadfile? Yeah. The time Cadfile is set. That would be that England era. is in civil war. Um, there are two sides. Uh, one headed by um, the king, the old dead king's daughter, Matilda, or Maud, as she's called in this book. And her, the other one by her, her cousin, who has declared himself king. Mm-hmm. Because the idea of the story is that Maud's a woman. Yeah. And how can you possibly have a queen? <laughs> because how, how all her, be her, her barons wouldn't, wouldn't, yeah. 
wouldn't listen to her because she's a woman and they've been brought up not to listen to women. And at the same time, Stephen is her cousin. He is a sort of man who will listen to anyone. Hmm. As and long he as they're take, a good leader. And he will take, well, he, he's the king. Ah. He's, he's, a, he's, he's appointed himself king. And he's been appointed to some, by some barons who have kind of gone, right, you're a bloke, you're related to the old king, we'll put you in, on the throne. Um, this is fascinating to me. I know lo- nothing about this. Well, I knew very little about it. I knew the states and I knew that there'd been, there'd been like a conflict because as an English kid, you kind of learn your kings and queens. But I didn't really know anything about it. This was 30 years of civil war that completely tore about this con- part of this country. Whole Clearly cities- there was no like Anne Boleyn character no. or we'd all have heard about it. The whole cities were burnt to the ground. There was mass massacres, huge massacres all over the South and Midlands, um, all the way up to York. So swathes of countryside were burnt. Thousands of people, thousands of people died. And this is a time like when our country's, it's the Middle Ages and this is just before the Black Death. There's not much, you know, it's, it's a horrible, horrible time to be alive. And But the story was just fascinating but this again this was a 900 page book and like the reason i can tell you so much about the history it's is because there. it's all in there it's if you ever wanted to know about the history of king stephen you only had to read one book and that is when christ and his saints met it was amazing but it's it, it was also like like a mook of worth worth of information it was like reading it at university because yeah. i felt that i knew so much more by the end of it mm. i read the killers of the king by no idea lady dies brother yes okay spencer somebody spencer i want to say charles charles spencer charles spencer yeah is I, he right i apparently I so um well i i saw it in um, one of my treats myself every time I, I go abroad is I mm. tend to get a book in the library um, and I've started to do this uh, yes. sorry in the in the sh- shop on the way back you can get like airport specials yeah. Dublin Airport by the way is, is an amazing place to spend three hours <sighs> yep did you like the punishment walk the uh, green mile well I did after my Burger King yeah I loved it after it you uh, after if you're flying with Ryanair you basically have like a 17 minute walk to yep. get to their, their to get anywhere, so anywhere it's known else. as the green mile which I just think is very typical um but yeah I, I picked it up and it was it was one of those books where I had a quick look online just to see what the reviews were and people were like this this is the book right. read this book so I read it like bought it had it on the the plane and it was at that point that you go to the back page and when I realized who it was I have to admit I had a proper like ugh oh god <laughs> um you know crikes and then and it absolutely served me right because the writing it's parts of it are incredibly dry mm. um, and it's a historical book it's not fictionalized yeah. um at, at all um but it's in, you know it's really accurate it's detailed without ever being boring or mundane and suddenly I was absolutely hooked on it because mm. again I don't know any of this mm. I didn't know that Charles II basically dug up the bodies of everybody that hung his father and re-killed them like I, I'm reading this sort of going holy crap you guys were insane yeah like yeah Nobody does insane like the British. So I remember, I remember you read one of our famous mythical stories, um, and you were like, "Is this basically they went to war because his cow was prettier than her cow?" And I was like, "Well, when you put it like that, it sounds batshit." But I'm no, nothing in our myths is as crazy as your actual honest yeah. to god history. Yeah. And you know, I have to say, if I were to see that Charles Spencer had taken on another 
era or whatever I would yeah I'd read well, I'd read another one of his I thought it was really well put together loves William Hague's biographies William William Hague your father is no longer exists ex-leader of the Conservative Party writes a good historical biography he he did William Pitt I have to admit I didn't get all the way through William Pitt I found it a little bit dry but my dad loves it absolutely loved it so that was my recommendation by a librarian um oh I've done so many what would you like would you like um Wedding Day say that again Red in a Day oh Red in a Day or Abandoned and Picked Up what was what was your abandoned and repicked up? That was uh, we need new names which by Neville Bowen. Yes, so I I read half of this on a Kindle last year. Well, a couple of years ago actually, at my friend's wedding, and then I got fifty percent way through and just didn't have my Kindle because I tend to read real books at home, um, and take my Kindle away with me, and then didn't really have a chance to to do mm. to do that. Um, and then obviously I went to Dublin for a conference so I was like well I'm on the plane yeah, I have my Kindle sense. this makes sense and you know it was perfect because as soon as I'd finished off the next chapter she's gone to America yeah. and the whole other half of the book starts and so it, was it was actually just a, it was perfect because it is I mean you and know, it's completely 50-50 split yeah and it, it is that whole a game of two halves it is a book of two distinct yeah times and people's and, and, I, and it really 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 worked actually me reading like that I think she writes very well. Oh, I loved her writing. Um, I found the book itself quite a struggle um, because I found it was like a collection of memories mm. rather than a story. But I loved that aspect of it. As soon as I got on board with the fact that I was actually reading a poem. Yeah. You know, when it's kind of that, the writing is so, it jumps all about and she's doing experimental things in the chapters and some chapters are written a completely different point of view. Mm. But I... I mean, it is not a, a linear read. No, not at all. And yet, but it's quite a linear story. Yeah, so this girl, darling, it opens the first half of the book, without, bearing in mind it was two years since I read the first half of the book, mm. but she's... Is she in Zimbabwe? Because, yes. It's been a little while since I've read it, but yeah, I think it's... So the first half is them growing up in not the best situation. Um, but the, not the worst But not either. the worst yeah. either. Her family lover. She's got friends. They all run around and do stupid things. And She is incredibly fortunate that the time frame that she grew up in Zimbabwe had a really good education system. Um, and then the sa- and then like the second half, she's suddenly in America living with her auntie. And they, she's got there on a tourist visa and stayed. Mm. And now can't go back because she's got there on a tourist visa and stayed and yeah. it just it's it's almost quite sad in a way because she doesn't really get the fact that she can't go back mm. and like it's discussing these feelings you have as 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 an immigrant mm. as and, mm. and, and, and I, I think i find it quite i've never been an immigrant i've always lived in this country i've moved 80 miles yeah in my life whereas like you 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 grew up all over the world and <laughs> It's stuff that Live people don't necessarily... I have a will. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, because I'm a non-national. Um, mm. And I just... I, I wanted to be sure that certain things were fine. The longer that I'm living here, the more that I'm aware of certain things that I want to make sure are, are all lined up for me. Mm. I think one of the things that I found um, is I've read a number of different books. Robin Scott had one. And I want to say, Andrea, you introduced me to that one. Yes. Andrea Lee. Uh, Andrea Eames. Eames, that's it. Or Ames, I'm not Ames, sure. Which. Um a beautiful book. What was that one called? It was called, I've got them on the shelf. The second one's the white the white shadow. And the first one is The Cry of the Go Away Bird. Cry of the Go Away Bird, that was it. 
Um, but yeah, so there's there's been a few of these um, across. There's something that has chickens in the title as well. That might be Robin Scotts. Um, some of whom I was in the same. I attended the same school as these women, mm. but maybe a few years on either side of it. Mm. Um, and a lot of them are covering the same time frame. But there's something very Zimbabwean in that they, they go up to a point and then they tell the, it's all, and in, in a lot of cases it is actually going up to say roughly 2007 and then it resumes in 2008 and they've left yeah. the country and so many people like we left the country in in two th- in 98 um but at any time between 98 and 2005 there was just this huge exodus of people mm. my age so on the one hand it's really interesting but on the other hand there's a certain almost like a, like a type and I was I would actually find it for um coming of age stories in America, including Maya Angelou's. There's a another one written. Just, yeah, I've got that. Uh, um, you know, they they there tend to be certain tropes that are followed, and I'm finding that with the Zimbabwean writers as well. I'm almost expecting to see certain yeah. things, but none of them cover the period that I'm actually really interested in. The period when I left, everybody left. Yeah. So when, you know, I'm, I'm I'm I was slightly frustrated. I felt the same way. I felt like there was actually this huge disconnect that the character in the book didn't seem to pick up on but that I as a reader was like not again not another one you know it's, yeah. it was I found that quite interesting I, I enjoyed it though I did enjoy it and I'm glad mm. that I finished it and it, it was a, it was a very good book it's to, a to really good up. book yeah. yeah no I did I did enjoy it so that was my um I, I, I will probably go through the abandoned ones in the future but that was my mm. abandoned one for now and the one I read in the day was the Pen- Penelopead by Margaret Atwood yes. so I got that at the library and I had it on my shelf for ages Mostly because I was reading a 900-page book about Stephen Maud. So I have um, a, the Penelopead, I think, might have been... It was definitely the first of the Canongate series of modern myths that yeah. I read, which I'm I'm addicted to, and I'm still working my way through them. I still haven't even read them all, but I know you joined me on that challenge um, a little while ago. Yeah. Um, I love the way she writes. Mm. I love the fact that she chose Penelope, Rather than Odysseus, mm. you know, to, to I think follow. Margaret Atwood, she would. She the, that's, that's but, her style. But she doesn't even tell the story of the patient waiting Penelope at home. She tells the story of a fierce queen who's fighting to keep. And mm. I just thought it was this amazing. And the fact that some chapters are in rhyme or in song. I mean, it was just such a creative book. Mm. I liked it an awful lot. I like the idea of having it as a Greek myth retold and having it as a play. I'd love to see it as a play. Mm. That would just be amazing. For White Swan, we read um, Simon Armitage, who did a three-part, I think, mm. um, production of Homer's Odyssey. Um, and I think as a radio player, it, m- it must have been remarkable. But the, there was a, for as a book, there was a slight lack of, you know, what would be stage direction, yeah. I guess, in a play, the background context. Um, and those of us that had read the Penelopia had said that while Simon Armitage's was this really faithful, lovely play, really good, we really enjoyed it, mm. her way of unpacking mm. an aspect of the story and telling it to you in such a different way, we, we were almost disappointed. We were hoping for something more like that. Yeah, great book, great author. Second one I've read of hers, this challenge, probably not the, not the last, I would imagine. Ooh. I'm curious as to where you go um, for, for your next Atwood fix. Oh, well, we'll see. I'd like to read a new one, definitely. Mm. And then, um, the last two, I think, of the ones I've read here, I'm just double-checking my Goodreads to make sure that I have definitely not missed anything off. So the one I missed out at school, which was I Know Why the Cage Birds Sing, mm. so that was probably the first one I read for the challenge, apart from the, um, apart from, um, 
alias Grace. Yeah. Um, and that's by Maya Angelou, and I absolutely loved it. I just it made me cry. You were um, a bit surprised that it's targeted at the age group. Yes, is. very much so. I thought it was. It, it is a YA, not YA, but it is a book that's about a young girl growing up. And I think, um, but the world was hard the back world, then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, bloody hard back then. Um, I, I would, I would love to know what sixteen-year-old me would have thought of this. I have no idea because I can't imagine reading that then. Now I found it hugely formative. Mm. Um, yeah, that's that would be my experience of it. Also, I would imagine. I think I was. I think I was around 14 or 15. I read it at the time you're supposed to read it. Yeah. Um, but I, obviously I was reading it in Zimbabwe. Mm. So, um, it's such, it's such a, a, an incredible book, the way it unpacks race and gender and everything. And, and there were so many aspects of it that left me questioning myself and my place mm. in the world. I found it just hugely valuable. Rereading it for LBC3 last year, um, for the three reads that meets at Cafe One Six Four, I thought it was harsh. But then mm. it's like it's like when you pick up oh god, what were those awful books, the Virginia Andrews books? Yeah. Um, when you pick them up now and read them as an adult, you're like, we were all basically passing around incest books. Yeah. It's it's as an adult, I'm kind of going, this is stuff that like surely no teenager should think about. But as a teenager, I was like, I'm really grateful to know mm. that this stuff exists in the world because I can keep my eyes open and protect myself. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I found it so interesting that you were, it, it came as, uh, it took you back. Didn't it, it did take me back. I, I, I really did enjoy that book. I, I also, because I read that immediately followed by The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison. So the misery it, was strong in your life. The misery was very strong in my life in February. Yeah, it was great. Um, Thank God it's a short month. Yeah. Um, so I kind of couldn't help but compare the two because they're written in a similar time mm. um, by women who have gone through in similar reasons, different things for similar re- reasons. And mm. um, I found Toni Morrison's book... Um, a lot harder to read in terms of the fact that I've just read a book that so eloquently um, expressed what it must have been like for that person. Mm. With Toni Morrison's book, because it wasn't like termed as autobiographical, though I am guessing that a huge element would be. Huge that element would yeah. be um, it felt almost less real, but then I was thinking about it and I was like, well, no, because it's more of a kind of a scream of mm. anger rather than well, um, this kind of unpacking. Yeah, that's such an interesting point because Maya Angelou has often talked about how angry she was. And in in I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, she talks about how she was too angry for the people in her school, that they didn't want that level of anger and and they didn't want, you know, things like that. And it must have marked the beginning of a new form of, you know, autobiography. Because Mm -hmm. when we read it, you know, as adults rereading it last year, we didn't think, we found it just... The writing was beautiful. She was eloquent. We thought it was justified. Any anger she felt was yeah. just, and also people write so much more emotively now that yeah. it didn't. I didn't think it came across. It was Toni Morrison? I think it was. A, is it beloved of hers yeah. that I've read? I mean, again, uh, uh, she doesn't pull her punches, does she? No. Well, she shouldn't have to. And she's a bloody good writer. She it does what she does incredibly well. Yeah. No, but they were very very hard books to start the year off with. But also, yeah. this is what this challenge is doing to me. It's making me sit up and. And think and read books that do make me think and do make me question and which like, is kind of the point and learn and yeah so I mean I wouldn't say that any of the books that I've I've mentioned um so far have have, have I've regretted reading um 
they've all been very very different in terms of style um I, I I'm looking forward to reading now probably some Angela Carter mm. um again just to kind of keep me on my toes a little bit because I am still reading a lot of stuff around the back like at the moment I'm reading Geraldine Brooks's The Secret Chord now I was going to have this as my published this year but it's what it was published last year technically so I can't God damn I know it. so I can't have it um but it's that looks back. so good that looks so lovely it is it's it's a story of King David told by his prophet Nathan and it's beautiful. And I'm like, yeah. The prophet Nathan. Nathan. Sorry, there's Nathan. just something a bit misfitsy about that. But it's gorgeous. It's it's set like a thousand years BC in Judea, but it wasn't Judea at the time because that, that didn't exist yet. Mm, but the people's front did. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it's amazing. Amazing book. I'm, I'm very much enjoying that. And I, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm pleased with how the challenge is going. Well, yeah, and I mean, one of the things up. I'm so loving about although I haven't picked up a book in six weeks because The Daily Show. Yeah. Um, one of the things I'm so enjoying is I'm pick, trying to pick books that will challenge me like intellectually, but they, I'm not, it's not, it's a joy because these are all things I'm choosing to read. It's like mm. giving me the opportunity to find the stuff in the last little while that I've just not quite managed to get round to. Yeah. Um, and I think any project you do for pleasure like that, you know, it's, I think one of the other things I've started is I'm watching a Ted talk every day, just to try and wake my brain up. I've forgotten I've forgotten so much than I more. I've forgotten so much more than I currently know. It's yeah. it's quite worrying. Um, it's good to be able to stretch yourself once in a while. I think. Yeah, and since I'm continuing to refuse to do anything like physical exercise, it's mm-hmm. got to be a mental. Well, thing. spring is here now, so you never know. Anyway, that's me so far. What is what is next up for you? Right. So next up for me would probably be. Um. Well, I, a book I've been meaning to read, again, that kind of covers my whole shelf. A book I've, I own but I've never read, again, that's pretty much my whole shelves. Um, a book with a band at some point, that was the Toni Morrison one that I was going to do, was a book with band at mm. some point. So I have to read something that's recommended by my spouse slash partner slash living slash child. Or I have to do one that um, intimidates me. And I have to do uh, one that... Um, was published before I was born. So we're going to do one of those. I've got to do an Angela Clark one for that one. Mm. I don't. I still don't know which one. I I, I will just choose. They will one. all be before you were born. I will just choose one off yeah. the shelf. It'll be fine. Um, and then I, I at some point will be starting War and Peace. Don't go into it like that. You're going to. I'm supposed love it. to. It's a book that intimidates me. I'm supposed to go into it scared. No, but I th- <laughs> I think you're gonna love it. Have you seen it? I it, I've read it. <laughs> it's, uh, right. Intimately aware. That might be why I had a bad back as a teenager. <laughs> it isn't where I they had didn't a bad have back. Kindles back then, did they? Damn. Damn. God. Damn. No. Well, a friend of mine was talking to me about it, and it's that classic. I just like the feel of a real book, and I was like, so do I. Mm. Everybody likes the feel of a real book. But I I'm, I'm think I'm officially starting to do that thing of going, I'm going to try and read as much as I can on the Kindle. Yeah. Just because it's not sustainable the way that we're producing yeah. books. <laughs> I know that sounds really like worthy, but I'm getting a little worried about yeah. the planet. And when President Trump decides that Irish people deserve to not exist, I'd like, or, or books should be all be burned, and I, I genuinely believe that if he gets elected and something daft like that could happen, you know? Yeah. I want to feel like I've done my bit, you know? Well, she only read ebooks. There you go. <laughs> Anyhow, clearly we're going to a silly place, yeah. so this seems like a good time to wrap this up. Cool. 
Um, thank yeah, you so much for yeah my turn next time I promise I will get some reading done um, and we will keep you updated if you are doing the modern Mrs Darcy's reading challenge please get in touch and let us know which books you're doing and which ones you've read and what comes next otherwise we'll chat to you next time bye bye <laughs>